So welcome to the Market Cuddle. I'm Gary and I'm here with Philip. And we're here to do another podcast on all things finance and investing. And today we thought we'd take a slightly different approach to our previous podcast and talk about financial movies. We are going to take you through what we believe is a good top five, or at least our opinion on the top five. So Philip, do you want to do you want to kick us off with the, the first first movie? Yes. Well, we, it took a little bit of time to think about this. Um, first of all, remembering some of the films. But starting off, we thought at number five, made in 2015, it's The Big Short. It's for anybody that's not seen The Big Short, it's it's a fantastic cast for a, for a, for a finance movie. Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Brad Pitt. Fantastic movie. It could very easily be number one, depending on who you talk to. But what do you like about The Big Short, Philip? Well, the one thing they did quite well here is, again... It was a maid about the uh, financial meltdown in 2008-2007. And um, they did it in quite a tongue-in-cheek way because it's fantastical if you look at it if you're not interested in these sort of things. And they have some very interesting points of view where they show you how things probably work. Uh, and then they have a few, shall we say, special guests explain to you what various things like a CDO is or a synthetic CDO while sat in the middle of Las Vegas. Various bits of Las Vegas, not always the gaming tables. And there are some very comic elements to it. So, so basically they take, I mean, CDOs are... Collateralised debt obligations. Right. Which, again, now you've explained it in terms of what it means, still doesn't mean a lot to me, but... Watch the big yeah. short. <laughs> and so they uh, they explain a lot of this complicated financial prox, those sorts of things that, I guess, led to the financial crisis. So you're saying they, they will they'll take... A, snip, a snippet of a famous person. Any any ones you wanted to bring out? I can't remember any of the names. <laughs> well, okay, so the one, the one I the one I really like is the is the chef when they are basically talking about mortgage bonds, and he's got um, you know fish that he's been he's bought for his restaurant, and it didn't sell for whatever reason. So what he then does is take the fish. And then he puts it into a into a stew, and it's a whole different thing. And the idea is that's a that's a bond that didn't sell, a mortgage bond that didn't sell, and then they basically repackage it. So it's a whole new different thing. It's still the same thing, but essentially what they're saying is in that example is it's not great because they're eating three day old fish, but it's okay because it's in a different product. It's, it's a it's a very uh, as you say good way good way of explaining that. And that. Is the best explanation of a CDO I think I've ever heard. Yeah, well, and I think that's it, isn't it? There's lots of these product offerings that normal investors, uh, retail investors like ourselves, and ne- we're never going to get anywhere near those things. But it puts um, things into context of just how complicated things have become, and how the housing crisis or the, the financial crisis was born out of trying to constantly reinvent products so that they could sell more. Because yeah. it was a sales game, I think, and the big short really brings that to to the, to, to the fore. I think there's a few choice words in there for those that are a bit squeamish about those sort of things. But um, it's a very good film, and it's very comedy, comedic in the way they t- and light-hearted they take through some of it. But then these stories are real. Yeah, and I think it's a, a story that says there's just a few people that saw there was an issue with mortgages, um, certainly in the US origi- originally, I guess. But of course, what happened was that. The entire world bought into the U.S. market and those debt obligations and, and, and those kind of things. 
So it just infected the whole financial system across the world. Uh, and I think that brings, they bring that to the, to the fore. But I think um, one, of the, one of the, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good performances in it, but Christian Bale's character is, is quite something. Yes, he, was a, he plays a, uh, a slightly, maybe, uh, interesting uh, fund manager. He was originally a medical practitioner. And he, he got quite famous during the dot-com boom about writing about stocks that are going, these, these companies make money and pay a big dividend and everyone wants the Never Never Land ones. And he, made, he wrote blogs and made a lot of money by pointing out the value of companies that can pay a dividend. And later on, he's one of the few people who read all of the uh, prospectuses for these mortgage-backed securities, all like 1,000 pages of things. And he tries to find a method of shorting it because he says it's going to blow up. But of course, no one believes him. So what, so what do we mean by shorting in terms of, you know, it's called the big short as a, as a title of the movie. What, what, what's shorting? So basically what he's trying to do there is uh, have some sort of investment that will pay when the opposite happens. So he wants insurance that when this thing blows up, these bonds are not worth what they say people think they're worth. Um, he makes money out of it and so loses money because he says, I wouldn't buy these. And it's a disaster waiting to happen. But at the time... They didn't actually have a product that could do that. And that's part of the interest of the film. Okay, so that's number five, Big Short. That was a 2015 film. What have we got at number four? Number four. Now, this one is, uh, you have to be a little bit older to remember this. This goes all the way back to 1983. These were quality ones where you had Dan Aykroyd, you had Jamie Lee Curtis, and you had Eddie Murphy when he made funny films. Trading Places, of course. So, a classic? Oh, yes. As a classic, you know, the Big Short... Could well be classed as a classic in, in years to come, but Trading Places, and why, why do you think that's a classic? Not only is it a great comedy, but it's showing you the bits when they go to the trading floors with pork bellies and orange futures, and it's just pure comedy to see the old trading floors don't exist anymore, plus just pure naked greed and corruption. <laughs> so, so what's the basic plot line? You said there's Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. They, they play... Two different characters, but essentially the same role, don't they? Or they yeah. get to do the same job at some point. Yes, because basically it's this old Philadelphia stockbroking firm, and Dan Aykroyd plays uh, one of the rising stockbrokers. And the two old guys who run it, they look an awful lot like the old guys at the Muppet Show in the stalls, and they moan a lot like them. And they basically take a bet, saying, is it nature or nurture? So for $1, they bet that they will wreck Dan Aykroyd's character's life and promote this guy begging off the streets, who happens to be Eddie Murphy, and show to show whether now anyone could become a stockbroker with a bit of education. And it's, and it's not about nurture. And so they do it. And they go through this, they wreck Dan Aykroyd's character's career. He then meets up with Jamie Lee Curtis because, of course, the old boy, two old boys have paid her to basically uh, show him up in front of his fiancée at the tennis club, if I remember rightly. And his life's completely wrecked. And then they promote uh, Eddie Murphy's character. And Eddie Murphy's character catches them because he's in the toilet smoking some products. And he overhears what the two old boys are doing. Then he goes and finds Dan Aykroyd's character, who tries to kill him, and tries to convince him that, no, he's not the real one. They're both being played by their former employer. So basically, then there's this comedy where they try to... They try to intercept uh, the Orange Futures uh, market information the day before it gets announced. Because the two old boys from the Grokshin firm generally pay this other guy to uh, steal it every year. But they manage to somehow intercept it. And it's very comic the way they do it. And then they, uh, they then give the old boys the complete opposite 
information to what they think they have. They turn up at the old world trading centers because that's where the commodity trading platforms uh, trading pit used to be. And then you just see uh, old fashioned trading in its rarity and the old boys go completely bust. So there's the morals in there, which is don't be corrupt. But it's also very comically done. Okay, so I guess similar to the big short in terms of they're trying to bring a lighter element to finance, but certainly traded places as, as a movie in its own right is it can be watched for for comedy, not necessarily from a from a finance point of view. If you're yeah, it's a pure uh, comedy in one sense, but also not a bad window on Wall Street in the financial world in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, I guess as you say, it's a, a historic view of uh, how things were. So, okay, so then you've got in at number three, and I, and I suspect that this top three might be slightly controversial, but as you said earlier, it takes a little time to put this together. So what have we got in at number three? Well, 1987, it's got to be with Michael Douglas, Wall Street. When he st- stands up and talks to the, uh, oh, the shareholders and the board and says, you know, greed, greed is, is good. good. <laughs> Which, in this day and age, where we, where we currently sit today, that's not good. <laughs> That's as un-PC as you can get in the financial world. Yes. Yeah, so this is Michael Douglas's character, Gordon Gecko, uh, who does appear in a in a in a sequel. Yes. Which I guess we'll, we'll maybe maybe talk about later on. But what is it that you like about that movie? What, what's what's the the thing that put it into number three? It was a very interesting movie at the time, as it showed the pure naked uh, greed, for want of a better word, but also how people motivated to break the law. Because Charlie Sheen's character is an up-and-coming stockbroker. And he wants to try and get up, higher up the ladder, and he meets good Mr. Gecko. Mr. Gecko goes, I've got analysts coming out of my ears. Tell me something I don't know. And his father works for this small, low-cost airline that's just about to get some sort of approval. And he told him, he goes, that's the insider information that makes you rich. And that's it. It's all about insider dealing. Yeah, and I guess it's, it's quite interesting from the perspective that, you know, the reason we are trying to do this podcast is, you know, to try and understand what the right way of investing is. And, you know, people will tell you to, you know, buy and hold shares and reinvest the dividends and all this kind of stuff. This is on a different level, isn't it? The, oh, you're yes. saying these, these guys were trying to get ahead in any way and any and by any means. One step ahead of the FBI, because eventually they catch up with both of them. But yes, I mean, these guys are setting up uh, fictitious companies to trade under so they couldn't be seen as the actual people who are actually trying to manipulate the stocks. So, so, there's, so there's, a, there's a theme running through these, these movies so far, which seems to be corruption or catastrophiness or, you know, catastrophe. Moving swiftly on to number, to two. number two. Wolf of Wall Street or The Wolf of Wall Street from 2013. I mean, this I've not watched this too many times. I certainly think I've watched it twice. And I still can't get over this. <laughs> in terms of its content. Do you so, want to give us a pricey of what you, what, what you think of this movie? Just in case there's anyone out there that hasn't seen it. So Leonardo DiCaprio, he starts off just before the crash in 1987 at this stockbroking firm. He's there for a little bit and it crashes and he gets fired, but he's got his stockbroking license. And his wife comes to see an ad for this little brokerage firm out in the middle of nowhere, probably in... Um, New Jersey or somewhere like that, or upstate New York, and he goes there, and he suddenly turns up, and he realising he's these guys really don't know how to sell, and he just shows them how you can sell anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, these companies were at least 
companies they did exist but boy did he um he marketed them shall we say in the mm-hmm. penny shares as we call it here. then he just realized that if he taught his friends how to sell you can clean up in this market if you don't care about what you're selling and yeah it just then goes through you in some regrets you think it's just over the top hollywood and it can't be true because it's really over the top but then you sort of hear some of the stories and you're going that's nah, probably more like a documentary than you really appreciate yeah so i think you know this this guy ends up with a fairly lavish lifestyle, is that fair? And drug addiction, yes. <laughs> and all based on, you know, him coming up with a... He comes up with a script where he doesn't even... Oh, yeah. Can... You can sell anything. This isn't going, give me a pen, give me a car, give me shares. I can sell anything to anyone. And so, any favourite moments from that movie? Oh, well, where'd you start? <laughs> I mean, they're the ones where he's actually uh, the first time he teaches his mates in this garage how to sell $10,000 of penny shares to this guy on the phone. And they're all just dropping. And he goes, Sell that, boys. He goes, Have you ended it? He goes, Make sure you end the call first before you send it. And then there's later on where um, he's being investigated by the FBI, invites them onto his yacht. And they sort of say, Well, we want to talk to you. We know you're up to no good. And he goes, Yeah, but prove it to me. And he's sort of throwing as they're leaving, he's throwing 20 polar notes at him. And lobbing lobsters at them as they're going away um there's the time where he's out of his head at the local golf club and he's trying to drive his lamborghini home and you see what he thinks he remembers and then what was on the cct camera and the police have images of <laughs> and it's just so funny yeah so i mean the wolf wall street you know there, there, it, there's a serious side to the finance uh, element of it and and i guess being sold and uh, what we could class as perhaps duff products but Again, coming back, the, the theme through these is there's a real element of comedy, if you can see the comedy in it, for that one. So our our number one pick after that, you know, there's some, there's some serious movies there already. What what did you uh, think is the top the top pick? Well, this one might be a little bit controversial in the way we've, we've called it number one, but back in 2011, Margin Call, the bank that got out first of the great financial crisis, has a great cast of characters. You have Jeremy Irons as the chief executive. You then have Kevin Spacey as one of the managers, uh, the trading floor managers. And you have Stanley Tucci. I mean, there are quite a lot of characters. And basically, the concept of this is one night, quite late at night, a couple of the guys, just after a lot of round of redundancies of the bank, a couple of the more, should we say, junior analysts are looking through some of the spreadsheets they've been given from their uh, one of their senior colleagues who has just been let go. And they're realising that um, technically the bank went bust two or three times that week. But then the market's recovered and they're going, statistically, this is like a one in a million year event. Yeah, it's happened three times this week. So this is bad so news. Some, something, something is going on. So therefore they then go and get their boss. They drag him out of the strip club to come back to work where he's a bit tipsy and they're going now this is in trouble they then creep boss calls his next boss up the line and in the end it goes all the way up to the board of directors so at about three o'clock in the morning they drag jeremy irons character in to come and give a board meeting saying what's happening there were some great quotes by jeremy irons character i mean one of the ones i really liked at the beginning he goes so who's the rocket scientist and then explain to me what's going on as if you're talking to a five-year-old because i don't think i really understand and, and Jeremy Irons' character, he, he's the boss. Oh, he's the boss. He's the yeah. chief executive. He hits there and goes, another great line, he going, do you know why I am here, at the, sat at the, yeah, this end of the table and paid the big bucks? 
It's for me to have a guess of what's going to happen in a week's time, a month's time. And you know what? For the first time in my career, I have no clue. All I hear is silence. There was another famous uh, quote from Jeremy Irons' character when he talked about, you're not the one panicking as long as you're the first one out the door. So I think the theme that's been running through those those movies, I mean, Wall Street, not, not so much of a comedy, I guess, but the, the others we've talked about are comedies. Margin calls not... not really a comedy. I mean, right. this was probably more pseudo-documentary about what's meant to have happened on one of the major banks. But but again, we talked about themes running through the movies. This this theme in, in Margin Call is about them basically trying to offload bad assets. Everything off the book. I mean, there's a bit in there where they talk about where they liquidate their entire order book in a day. One of the, one of the uh, phrases was, Grandmother's buying, we're selling. No trades, no comeback, cash only. But it's all off the books by four. Right. So, I mean, this, this reminds me of the phrase about, you know, they, they uh, didn't want to be left holding the baby. Oh, yeah. So they just passed on these bad assets, yeah. if you want to call them that, to anybody who was prepared to take them. And I guess when you look at what happened with the big short, the way they portrayed the financial crisis, the big banks, as we'll call them, and, the, and, the, and we won't name them specifically, but those were the guys that were buying oh, in, yeah. from Jeremy Irons' company. Because do we, do we get a sense of who who? Jeremy Irons' company. What's what? What company was he supposed to be CEO of in the margin call? Because they don't really they don't name it. Name but um, let's just say it was the big ones, the ones you've probably most heard of, the one that's called a va- or referred to as a vampire squid. <laughs> it's the one they suppose it's meant to be. Okay. Okay. As said, bank I believe was one of the first, if not the first, to liquidate his entire mortgage book. It, it's a it's a similar movie in my eyes to The Big Short. I would say Wolf of Wall Street, Wall Street, and Trading Places is, is is different. There's more of a documentary feel to Margin Call and and The Big Short, both of which I've I, I enjoyed. We did a top five today because I think had we done a top ten, we might have been here for a lot longer arguing about what what was in at number six. So just just to recap, then we had Margin Call at number one, Wolf of Wall Street at number two, Wall Street, the original Wall Street from 1987 at number three, Trading Places at number four, and then Big Short at number five. What other movies have we missed out? What will people be screaming at us saying you missed, blatantly missed? Any any other movies that you know you you'd look at and say I, I wouldn't I would I would watch them again or I I think they they're a good a, a good thing to watch if you've got a, an interest in finance generally. Well, I think the one contentious one which we haven't got there is the uh, sequel to Money, Wall Street Wall Street Money Never Sleep. But uh, it that was a sign of the times and we felt maybe the original one was a, just a little bit better or maybe a little bit different compared to most of the other things that put out. Well, yeah, I think I think you know we talked about Trading Places being a classic movie and maybe in time you know that some of the t- things like Margin Call and the big short will be viewed in the same way but wall street's kind of a classic for all the fun yes but it's a classic movie wouldn't you say yes as a movie and also probably one of the most classic ones that had a financial or trading theme yeah and and and, you know wall street money never sleeps i think is a is is a good movie it's fine as i say it wouldn't be in my top five but it's certainly worth a watch again michael douglas is in it and there's a young character in there playing similar sort of role to charlie sheen and we don't want to give any uh sort of plot plot spoilers here but it but it's if you if you do if you have 
watch Wall Street and not the, the, the sequel, then it's worth a watch, I think. Yeah. Would you agree with yeah, that? that's true. I mean, another couple of ones that might be similar. The Boiler Room, but to be honest, it's a bit like The Wolf of Wall Street, but The Wolf of Wall Street is so much more over the top that makes it maybe a bit more yeah. of its time. But it's a similar one. Boiler Room scams are selling any old penny stocks for things that may or may not be making money. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we've, we've, we've talked on other episodes of, of The Market Cuddle about penny stocks. Uh, briefly, that is because we don't really want to talk about them. So, <laughs> so we've, that would continue the, uh, the, the view, our view that um, run would yeah. be my view on, on that front. Uh, if you get anybody approaching you about that sort of thing, then run. Uh, what, what else did we, did we miss out today? There's another couple which could be considered honourable mentions. They're um, not bad films, but maybe not quite as good as the entertainment value as the fu- ones we've talked about so far. One of the ones probably from another 80s, Other People's Money, which is basically about like a buyout firm, Danny DeVito's buyout firm, where he's basically thinking, well, the only way to show how good you were in life is how much stuff you had the day you die. Interesting point of view, maybe not so much in the 80s, maybe that's more common back then. But anyway, and he talks about basically buying up these firms on the cheap and running around a bit like Gordon Gecko used to do in Wall Street. Another one was Barbarians at the Gate. This was a particular one about the leverage buyout boom in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, where KKR arranged and did the, at the time the biggest buy, leverage buyout ever of Arjar Nabisco, the tobacco kung fu conglomerate. And that's how it, uh, James um, James Gardner, who has uh, played the uh, the chief executive of Arjar Nabisco and how he tried to defend himself against the leverage buyout, but in the end, eventually lost. I think that was a TV, made-for-TV movie, but again, it's not bad. It's maybe not quite got the comedy or the longevity of some of the other ones. Another one that could be there is Rogue Trader uh, about Nick Leeson, for those who remember him back in the early early 90s, destroying Bearings Bank again. That's a story for another time about how many times Bearings Bank has gone bust and been bailed out by the Bank of England. And um, in case you didn't know, it's a lot more than three times. Right. So that so that's Hugh McGregor, I think. That's right. Um, and Anna Friel. Um, in, in that movie. And yeah, again, I think uh, there's, there's lots that could have gone on to this list. Well, thank you for giving us your views on some of these. Let's say, interesting movies they've got a very serious theme running through most of them I think they are entertainment in the fact that they're here as movies so I hope you've enjoyed that list if you've not agreed with it then that's fine that's where we where we've got to with our list thanks again for joining us on the market cuddle and we'll see you next time This programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the programme's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities. Nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.